Truth Espresso, episode 221. Face it, we all would rather sleep in this morning. <sighs> That's why God gave us espresso to kickstart our zombified corpses into hyperdrive. <laughs> and now, giving your mind and soul the morning shot of truth it craves. <sighs> this is Truth Espresso with Daniel Minnick. Hey there, friends, family, foes, and lurkers alike. This is your host, Daniel Minnick, and I am here with my sweet, beautiful wife and co-host, Chelsea. And we are going to make this episode a little bit interesting. We're actually, as you listen to it, you're actually going to be listening to two separate recordings put together. We are recording this first part here, Saturday evening, and this is after the March for Life that occurred Friday, yesterday, as of this recording. But after the break, there will be another part that we will have recorded Sunday afternoon. And that will be about the Women's March, kind of on the other side of this issue here. So the March for Life is a march that was against abortion and for life after the fateful day of the Supreme Court decision in Roe versus Wade. And so the next year, the March for Life began and was happening on the anniversary every year of the Roe v. Wade decision. But now that Roe v. Wade has been overturned as of June of 2022, what's the purpose of this March for Life? Well, they still met this year yesterday and now the goal is different and so so we are ready to talk about a little bit about the march for life yeah this will be a great episode you watched some of well we both did but you probably watched a little more than i did on some of the march for life footage so do you want to talk about some interesting bits that you saw some maybe some of the the speakers there Yeah, so I was just interested to see how the march went and kind of what their goals were. And they had some um, pretty good speakers this year. And again, like you mentioned, a lot of people were like, okay, why are they still going to gather together in March when Roe v. Wade was overturned? And the purpose of this march, as they opened up the initial speakers, was to talk about, okay, we are in a post-Roe era, and now what do we do? Because there are still things that need to be done. And so the theme of it was the next steps in marching into a post-Roe America. And a lot of the speakers here were involved in different aspects of helping Roe get overturned. Um, They had Attorney General Lynn Fitch from Mississippi, who was part of the Dobbs case that overturned Roe v. Wade. They had Franklin Graham there. They had some people represent the Catholics. They had a OBGYN doctor from the American Association of Pro-Life Obstetricians and Gynecologists. And they had Jonathan Rumi, who's the actor known for playing Jesus in the TV series called The Chosen. They had Coach Tony Dungy there. They had some House Majority Leader Steve Scalise and um, some Congress people there as well. So it was really interesting to just hear from some of these different people who have had a part or also speak up for life. And to me, that was kind of the cool part about these different speakers and just seeing the March for Life, that their goal and everything, like their signs, like what they were talking about, what they were saying, like their next steps are, it's all about protecting life still. And just because Roe was overturned doesn't mean that we don't stop protecting life. Oh, yeah. And you could just see, like, just their desire to care for women, to care for children. 
to even care for fathers and help them on this journey. And in contrast to some of the response that you see from the pro-choice people, where they're more about kind of the name calling, the (laughs) blaming type of mentality of, oh, well, they're just trying to take away our rights. And it was just interesting. You can just really see that contrast there. But yeah, just kind of a little glimpse of who were some of the speakers there. And there's footage of the march on YouTube that you can find pretty easily for right now if anyone wants to watch that in more detail. Yeah, there's also, I remember you showed me there's uh, twin sisters there. one And one of them has Down syndrome, but and she was the kind of the speaker of the two there who there were lots of cheers for when she would say pro-life statements there and I, and she was also won some kind of special olympics medals you know for was it bowling and swimming and stuff yeah. <laughs> something like that so and she went to college and stuff so it's like she's a living example of we shouldn't look at down syndrome people as just burdens on society or especially pro-abortion people that they want to make sure that their baby is tested for down syndrome so they can choose to have an abortion to you know prevent that but yeah that case there the twin sister who had down syndrome demonstrates how you know they love life they can accomplish great things and they're not just handicapped people <laughs> yeah i think she was my favorite one <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah she that was, was really pretty sweet. cool yeah <laughs> And so there were about 100,000 people there for the March for Life. And, of course, when you look for news coverage about the March for Life 2023 in mainstream sources, you're not going to find much positive information. So, you know, I just was trying to look to see what the typical sites would say about it and of course it's like all propaganda even if it's listed under news like there could be news and then there's opinion but under the news it seems like a lot of opinion going on there and (laughs) (laughs) so there's one article i have in the guardian it was entitled we're not done abortion opponents hold first march for life since fall of roe and the subtitle of the article is anti-abortion activists descend on washington for annual march and commit to continue fighting to limit reproductive rights <laughs> so you can see all these buzzwords and stuff from mainstream sources that always demonstrate that if you're a mainstream source you are going to be pro-abortion and have a bias toward pro-life you know, so you have abortion opponents, anti-abortion activists, and limit reproductive rights in the title of the article. (laughs) And then I noticed, um, so here's a little quote from the article. It says, thousands of abortion opponents descended on Washington, D.C. for the annual March for Life on Friday, the first time since achieving its foundational objective, persuading the Supreme Court to overturn Roe v. Wade. Now, notice it said thousands. Now, that could mean 2,000. That could mean 900,000. But, of course, you know, I could not find a single, and I searched even in Google for 100,000. <laughs> and, you know, the few that I find that would mention that figure would come from the March for Life or, like, maybe Fox News, maybe, uh, and then Catholic News, stuff like that. But not one of your standard mainstream, non-conservative-leaning sites would mention the fact that there were 100,000 people there because they always want to minimize it and then stigmatize it (laughs) and of course they can never refer to people as pro-life it's always anti-abortion activists and that abortion is always a right and it's always opponents of rights so you know just using terms like that make it like it's these stragglers who are left who they're still living back in the dark ages of trying to suppress rights that we now recognize as civil society and stuff. (laughs) 
So that's kind of what I was talking about earlier, that the language that the pro-abortion people use compared to what we heard during the March for Life is just so interesting because they're yeah trying to say it's all about reproductive rights. Whereas the pro-life people are saying, no, this is about protecting human <laughs> life. <laughs> yeah, they can't even talk about well, what is the unborn, you know. It's one of those things they can't even get into detail about what is the issue about. They just want to make sure that you understand that it's people trying to infringe on equal rights for women or just reproductive rights. But yeah, that's like, well, why is there an issue in the first place? You know, what are the arguments that the pro-life people give? They don't want to talk about that. It's just stand firm for modern civil rights against these backwards people, you know. <laughs> when you would see quite a few signs, and I think this is kind of the message, too, from the pro-life movement, is that we love them both. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's not just about the unborn baby, which is very important, of yeah. course, but it's also about the mom and when possible about the dad, too, because it's so important to show that God sees each person, the mm. mom, the dad, the unborn baby as yeah. valuable and the pro-life people are saying, okay, we need to protect the mom because abortion harms mm. women. Yeah. And it's not about if it's a right or not. It's about how can we protect these women? Mm. How can we protect the unborn? How can we protect these fathers who are being <laughs> scrutinized for standing up for their family and yeah, turned into these, I don't know, <laughs> is reading from some of the pro-choice websites. I'm like, they are so horrible to men and treating men like they're less than. And that's not true. Men are valuable as well. And it's just very frustrating. Yeah. To read some of these mainstream articles there, you know, you wouldn't know that there's plenty of talk at the march there to talk about caring for women, loving them and helping them in unwanted pregnancies. But yeah, you're not going to hear that really much from the mainstream coverage. And of course, you know, the arguments will always be like, oh, if they truly, they're just pro-forced birth and if they really cared, they only care about fetuses and if they really cared about women, then it's like the only thing acceptable in their mind for caring for people is to just completely socialize the entire economy and that, that's the only way you can prove to them that you have a case for life, you know, <laughs> yeah. Another article that you know I've looked at it's on slate.com of course you know slate is definitely a left wing news site and has an article entitled the first pro row march for life was euphoric and a little confused <laughs> uh, where does the anti abortion movement go from here of course anti abortion movement and a quote from the article says for decades the anti abortion movement and its various legal advocates have led a campaign to get Christian, and often Catholic, conservatives in powerful positions in the court system, unquote. So, yeah, it's like, okay, it was all about just trying to get our people in the courts. Well, the idea is it's a march for life since the Roe versus Wade decision. So, of course, reversing it means the court has to reverse it. But they act like, oh, they're trying to get their tentacles in high power. You know, ooh, scary, you know. <laughs> but then this part is interesting. Quote, the court of public opinion, however, has always been a different matter. Polling consistently shows that most Americans, including most Catholics, support legal abortion in most or all cases. Now, I haven't seen polling consistently where most Americans favor abortion in most or all cases. <laughs> Now, there's kind of this spectrum the polls show, but it's like a lot of people are uninformed, and so they kind of will think in terms of, well, it makes sense that abortion should be allowed in the first trimester as you're finding out you're pregnant and you need to make that choice, but then most people also recognize, well, wait, you're harming a baby later on because it looks more like a baby, so there's a lot of people who think like that, so it's kind of 
popular opinion that hasn't really gotten into this issue much, you know, just kind of think in terms of the middle of the road in there. And so it's not going to be like what this article describes, that most Catholics favor abortion or Christians and most people favored in most or all cases. You know, that's not what in the polls that I've seen, but you know, the polls don't determine what's true in any case there. But yeah, here's another mainstream article saying, oh, it's just all confused because now that their primary goal has been met, they don't know what they're going to do now. And there's so much, you know, different proposals. Well, yeah, they expect that because they're trying to figure out what they agree on is we need a culture of life. So it's just trying to figure out some have incremental approaches and some have, you know, more like let's abolish it here and now and stuff. And so it's like, they all want the same goal. They just don't agree on how to get there. So it's, that's the only difference. It's not like they're all over the map confused. (laughs) So speaking about polls, (laughs) I thought it was interesting in one of the articles I was reading about the march that there were two lonely ladies, <laughs> we'll call them women, so two lonely women that were protesting the March for Life. So these women were pro-choice and they were quite upset with the pro-choice movement that they were the only two out there protesting this march. Mm-hmm. And they made the comment that, you know, the pro-life movement has always had larger numbers that show up to these marches and that they've been so consistent over the last 50 years of continuing this march. And this lady's like, um, there haven't been any marches or consistency or numbers in the pro-choice movement like there is in the pro-life movement. So just with that, you would think that, hmm, wouldn't that tell you something that the majority of people do want to support life and help humans? (laughs) Like, that's just kind of our natural way of looking at other people. (laughs) Yeah. And you'd think, given the propaganda, that it's all like men wanting to control women, you know, like, why are there so many women in the pro-life movement in the March for Life and all these causes? college-aged girls and stuff like that. Why are the all the pregnancy centers run by almost entirely all women? You know, it's not like men are setting it up and then women just take over the functions. It's like they're set up and managed and, you know, run by women because women have a motherly function and they recognize that life is valuable. They're going to take care of each other and they're going to take care of babies. And you mentioned the two uh, pro-abortion activists. One of the articles I was looking at by NBC News entitled Anti-Abortion Advocates Hold Annual March for Life Rally for First Time Since Roe Reversal. There is a photo. The photo kind of shows a close-up of probably those two there and the photo caption says, Anti-abortion and abortion rights activists protest during a March for Life rally in front of the U.S. Supreme Court on Friday. So, hey, the few or two stragglers that were there, okay, let's photograph it and make it as if it's two sides clashing, you know. Hmm. Yeah. And you mentioned um, Tony Dungy, who was there. So one article I was looking at in Deseret.com. It says this pro football Hall of Famer is facing criticism for attending the March for Life. His remarks on Twitter sparked intense pushback from sports commentators and others who argued that Dungy's conservative religious and political opinions should disqualify him from his current NFL work. So why (laughs) would, you know, really, so... What do the beliefs of a former NFL coach have to do with his qualifications to be a commentator in the NFL? It's not like he's preaching a sermon there. He's talking about football. But of course, you know, to the left, it's like everything, all institutions, all all of life has to be political and particularly politically left. The NFL can't exist unless it's parading 
pride and pro-abortion and anyone who dares disagree with that shouldn't be employed to do anything when why can't we let football be football (laughs) you know so there's one bible verse that i really like that i think is just a good reminder of kind of what the pro-life march was about and it's from deuteronomy chapter 30 and it says in verse 19 i call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, that both thou and thy seed may live. Yeah. I mean, I know it's not quite the context, but just the plan that God has for us is, yeah, you can choose the route of death. You can choose the route of abortion and going against what God has laid out for us and the Ten Commandments or, I mean, just there's so many principles throughout the scriptures that tell us what to do so that we can have blessings or we can live longer. I mean, it's choosing between right and wrong, basically. And when you choose life, you're choosing to give life. You're choosing to respect life. You're choosing to protect life then you're going to see those blessings and you're protecting life. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Then, of course, you're going to live longer as a result of that. That's definitely God's promise on, to Israel and to it re- really would apply to any land, you know, choose life that, you know, you all live. And when people choose death, you know, it really destroys their nation. I have a passage here to kind of sum up the march for life where the psalmist says, it's Psalm 26, verses 7 through 12. The psalmist says that I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all thy wondrous works. So like the march for life, they're kind of thanksgiving for the reversal of Roe there. Lord, I have loved the the habitation of thy house and the place where thine honor dwelleth. Gather not my soul with sinners, nor my life with bloody men, (laughs) in whose hands is mischief and their right hand is full of bribes. But as for me, I will walk in mine integrity. Redeem me and be merciful unto me. My foot standeth in an even place. In the congregations will I bless the Lord. (laughs) So I think that Mm -hmm. kind of like sounds like I want to be gathered with those who will bless the Lord, who will choose life, who will not be bloody people, and want to publish the voice of thanksgiving. And so I think that kind of sums up the march for life there. And so um, after this break here, we will return with covering a little bit about the women's march that's going to be against the march for life that, as of this recording, will have occurred on Sunday afternoon. If the practice principle is vital for teaching such morally neutral tasks as tying shoes, how much more important is it for training children in Christ-like character? This is Yvette Hampton, host of the Schoolhouse Rocked podcast. Join us each week for a new episode as we offer encouragement and resources on biblical discipleship from popular speakers and authors, as well as parents just like you and me. Find out more at schoolhouserocked.com or listen anywhere you find your favorite podcast. Andrew Rappaport's Rap Report is a podcast providing biblical interpretations and applications. It is a ministry of striving for eternity and part of the Christian podcast community. We provide a biblical view of cultural events, discuss how to apply God's word to the Christian life, address issues that concern the church, and we even take some time to offer a correct understanding of those commonly misinterpreted passages of scripture. You will hear from great guests like Justin Peters, Todd Friel, Jay Warren Wallace, and Gabe Hughes. Andrew has the Rap Report Daily, which is a two-minute Monday through Friday podcast, and then the longer Rap Report podcast for more content. Subscribe to both today by searching for Rap Report on any podcast app, spelled R-A-P-P, Report, or click the podcast link at strivingforeternity.org. And we are back. Chelsea and I are back. And this is Sunday afternoon as we are recording this. And we have just watched, listened to some of the Women's March going on. And so what is this Women's March all about? 
Well, since the Dobbs decision last June, there is the annual Women's March, and it's focused on abortion in particular, restoring supposed abortion rights. There are about 200 marches across the country and in most of the states in the Union there. But the biggest focus, the biggest emphasis for the theme of this march centered around the state of Wisconsin. So why is that? Well, Wisconsin has kind of become the rallying cause for this women's march because Wisconsin is kind of like a case in point for them. So after the Dobbs ruling last summer, Wisconsin defaulted to its pre-Roe statute, and that is a statute dealing with abortion. Now, this statute is part of a larger law, a set of statutes about prosecuting murder and stuff. How is the state going to handle murder in, in all these different descriptions and stuff? And here's one section of it. This is Statute 940.04 from the Wisconsin Statute in 1849. And so, Statute 940.04, Section 1 says, Any person other than the mother who intentionally destroys the life of an unborn child is guilty of a Class H felony. Now, there are different classes of felonies there in the state, but basically it would result in at least six years in prison and a $10,000 fine, which at the time that was enacted was a pretty hefty fine. And Section 5 gives the only exception, which is kind of common in abortion bans, where it's for only if it's necessary to preserve the life of the mother. And it was common at this time also to make sure that it can't just be one doctor's discretion to do it. He had to have kind of in documentation two other physicians that agree with that diagnosis that this was indeed necessary. Now, of course, that's not bulletproof, but that's the best they had at the time to try to ensure as much as they could that it was only to save the life of the mother. And in section six, it says, in this section, unborn child means a human being from the time of conception until it is born alive. So, essentially, this 1849 statute bans all abortions except for if you can consider it abortion to save the life of the mother. And since the Dobbs ruling was overturned, that's officially the trigger law that comes into effect. For the state of Wisconsin, all abortion is outlawed, criminalized, except to save the life of the mother. So I have a quick question about this, because in this lot here, it's saying in that section one, any person other than the mother who yeah. intentionally destroys. So the abortion pill still would be mm. fine there because the mother can get it herself and take it herself. And yeah. technically, the pro-abortion people say that there's over, which seems pretty accurate, about over 50% of abortions are the chemical abortions where they take the abortion pill. So, yeah, I guess especially with the situation now, the pills would be legal in Wisconsin in, in this law, yes. <laughs> so they would be incorrect in saying that all abortions are banned. Yeah. In that. Okay. Yeah, I would think that according to the letter of the law, they could take the pills. But yeah. So it's not perfect there, of course, you know, and, and it's written with the knowledge and, and understanding of the way things work. At the time, there was kind of a different felony if someone murdered a quickening you know child versus just okay they're pregnant and they try to dispose of it this would be the felony you know up to six years in prison and a ten thousand dollar fine where if it was a child that they knew was moving in the womb that they could detect indeed there is a child there then it would be a even harsher sentence So now, in this situation in Wisconsin, as things stand, the governor is pro-abortion, but the state congress there, the legislature, has a slim conservative majority that are not currently um, intending to update the law of Wisconsin so that the statue, you know, wouldn't ban abortions the way it is. And so the push now from this Women's March is to make sure that Wisconsin citizens there, these women here who want to get their supposed abortion rights back will go, I think there's an election in February, which they emphasized in the march, to go and make sure they vote so that they can vote out one of the 
conservatives at least replace it with someone who's willing to do their cause so that they can quick pass a updated statue and then the governor would sign it. So that's why Wisconsin is kind of to show in their minds the evil of the Dobbs ruling because now it sets them back over 170 years ago. <laughs> and yeah, that's a big issue for these abortion activists. We we don't want to go back 170 years to the age, to the Stone Age of America. <laughs> So, babe, we, we watched and listened to some of this women's march, um, and I think you heard more of it than I did. So do you want to talk a little bit about what you thought of some of the speeches there? <laughs> oh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> it was definitely a stark difference watching the March for Life event and then watching this one. I mean, the people have such a different demeanor about them. The way they talk, the way they present themselves is just interesting because, I mean, if I wanted to be informed about something, especially about women, something about health care, I would want people that look professional, that talk professional, and have the certain aura of the, about them that seems like they really do care about the people. Instead, with the pro-choice march and speeches, you saw people that looked very angry, they looked depressed, very unkept, and a lot of their speeches did not quite even make sense. A lot of it had to do with saying different chants or having the people that were gathered there kind of interact with a chant and stuff. And you felt like they were almost trying to just program these people to go out and say these different chants. Like my body, my choice was one of them, um, which has been around for a while. There's another one talking about the power of the people. Yeah, I heard that one. It was like, there is no power like the power of the people or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the power of the people will never stop, yeah. I think is how it finishes. But it's like, okay, what does that have to do with protecting women <laughs> and protecting their supposed rights to abortion? It just didn't seem like they had a clear mission or a clear understanding of how to present what their goal is. And to me, that would seem very confusing. I was like, okay, their motto is we are bigger than Roe. And I ended up asking, like, what do they even mean by that? Out of that two hour speeches and chants and stuff I heard, I never heard anything that expressed like, what does that mean? How do we do this? These are our goals. Besides, you need to text all your family members to go and vote in February. Okay, yeah. that's one step. But other than that, there's not really any like good effective ways. And I think in contrast with watching the March for Life, you saw people with clear direction and clear purpose. And just the way they speak at the March for Life, you just see that compassion <laughs> for people for humans yeah. and they're like we are there for you like i don't know it's just mm -hmm. such a different feel <laughs> watching the two like that and the one we watched today you just felt like angry inside <laughs> almost like yeah. oh i like which is yeah i don't know this is not <laughs> yeah because it seems, doesn't feel pro-woman <laughs> yeah because it seems like these people yeah it's like they're always going to be angry because they're never going to be satisfied. And, you know, there's always going to be some grandiose cause that they have to fight for. Because, it, yeah, it did seem, from what I listened to, they talked about more than abortion, you know. And, like, and it's like somehow it all ties to abortion for them. Like, okay, you know, this is all about abortion, but we got to stand up for trans people. We got to stand up for, you know, like different ethnicities and, you know, and it's all tied together somehow. And yeah, and, and of course, a lot of talk about policies that seem to just be flat out Marxism. It's like, <laughs> like, obviously, you know, we believe abortion is wrong, but like, can't some of these people even believe in abortion without just being hardcore Marxists? <laughs> you know, of course, they say like health care is a right, you know, like abortion is a right, abortion is health care and health care is a right. You know, I heard them kind of say that as in like, mm -hmm. absolutely everything they need should be of zero cost to them. It's as much 
much of a human right as the availability of oxygen. <laughs> and yeah, they're angry, you know, because we see at the March for Life, you had people, they try to look nice, they smile, they're genteel and stuff, but these people at the women's march it's like they kind of talk with a growl they shout and yell they just yeah you could feel the anger oozing out of them like you know it's kind of like children who don't get their way that kind of thing (laughs) and i have to say I know, babe, you mentioned this a little bit earlier too, that, okay, this is, you know, a victory in a lot of ways for the pro-life movement that Roe v. Wade was overturned. Not that that changes that we still need to stand up for life, of course. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of what they talked about at the March for Life. But even years before when you had the March for Life, there was never that anger behind (laughs) it. There's the urgency Mm -hmm. and the concern like, okay, women are getting hurt. Babies are being killed. This is something we need to do something about. And there was just like that heart and that urgency to do it compared to what we heard with the pro-choice speeches today like you said it was just this like (laughs) vile anger there almost you could like you just felt like there's okay there's demonic (laughs) stuff going on behind this like just how you feel like there's snakes hissing or something (laughs) the way they talk is just it's just so different there isn't that compassion which i honestly don't even think they can have because they don't know and understand how God has compassion for us. And when you're a Christian and you understand grace and what Christ did for you, that gives you like a different level of compassion for other people because you understand, wow, I'm a sinner. And the only reason that I can even have a relationship with God is because of what Jesus Christ did for me. Then that gives you such a tenderness towards other people and a heart for other people because you want them to experience that same type of grace and love. And I think that it just, you approach people, you approach these issues so differently when it's like that. And these poor women here that we saw today, they don't have the love of Christ in their life and they're just angry and they're bitter and they're lost. And that's what, when you watch that, you just see like there's hopelessness in that. And it's just, it's sad. Like my heart like just grieves for those women. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Because it's like, yeah, you see them, you you mentioned, you describe them, they look unkempt, they look like they're not living with purpose and stuff like that, that life has true meaning. And yeah, and and the Christian message, as it's all about Jesus, is the sacrifice he did for other people. And that with Jesus as our model, then that's why we believe in the sanctity of the life of the the unborn because we don't believe in that to like as the pro-abortion people think that it's just some kind of infringement of rights for who knows what the sake of just making men rule the world somehow but it's like we recognize absolute truth the right of the unborn and what we're saying is do not murder and then of course then it's like people will think well in this case it's going to be difficult and we want to say well That's why we want to be here to help people, but to help them also recognize truth. And so to be pro-life is not just to stand up for like my right to whatever thing that pleases me. It does involve the idea of sacrifice. If you value life, you're not just valuing your own life. You're valuing all lives. And to do that, it means that, well, I have to restrain myself in certain ways ways I have to sacrifice I actually have to live for other people and we do that why because we recognize the meaning and truth as Jesus Christ is our example of that it is the ultimate example of that and when people don't have that hope all they have to live for is their own existential understanding of their own individual rights and kind of not to even recognize that the baby in the womb is a human being and 
yeah, it's just, I'm not ready for this. I don't want to do that. Because, yeah, one of the speakers I remember hearing who was what, an OBG, OB doctor, and she said that, like, all reasons for abortion are valid. <laughs> and so it's like, okay, so even if someone wants to, say, have a late-term abortion for the sake of just torturing an unborn baby, you know, is that valid? You know, reason for abortion? According to this doctor, yes, because it's just, if you don't want a baby for any, whatever reason, like it, maybe it interrupts whining and dining or something, that's a valid reason because let's not recognize the humanity of the unborn. Yes, definitely a clash of two marches, one marching for life, one essentially marching for the right of death. So I want to point out one thing that was interesting about that OB doctor right quick since you brought her up. (laughs) So she mentioned that she was originally from Kansas and moved to Wisconsin to finish her OB training because she wanted to become an abortion provider. And at that time, when she was going through training, Kansas did not have any training for abortionists, and Wisconsin did. Then in the meantime, when she's out in Wisconsin, we have this overturning. And then back in Kansas, you have, you know, Tiller. Um, oh, yeah. Dr. Tiller there. Mention of Tiller there. And I, and I asked you, like, when I heard that, like, George Tiller? Like, really? <laughs> yeah. So we should say the late George yeah. Tiller because he is deceased now. But she was like, you know, he was there and Kansas has abortion as part of their constitution now mm-hmm. and just kind of praising where Kansas is. And during that time, I was just thinking like, oh, that's poor lady. Like she doesn't realize or understand just how, I don't know. I'm like, all right, God is showing you grace and mercy right now because you have this time to reflect and be like, okay, is this really what I should be doing? But instead, she's saying like being an abortion provider is her favorite part of an OB doctor. So never mind delivering babies and being there with the joyous celebration of, you know, a mom and dad welcoming their new little one or finding out they're expecting. Oh, no, that's not the favorite part of her job. Her favorite part of her job is dismembering Mm. these unborn babies. And it just, it just, it makes your stomach turn. It's just sad. (laughs) But if she's living in her self-delusion, she probably thinks she's doing it, her part to liberate women. But yeah, she's really enslaving them in sin and their own likely depression and, of course, killing babies in the process. I thought, you know, just in passing, it's funny how, you know, we were looking at animated graphics and stuff from <laughs> the uh, <laughs> Women's March. And of course, like, it's not just about abortion, of course, you know, that's whatever their causes are, there's various causes. And it's funny how they seem to be all about perpetual mask wearing and jabs like it's 2020 or something. <laughs> and it's funny to have like, they're holding their fist up for their rights while their face is muzzled and they, you know, want everyone to get some jab, which now is supposed to be like a jab every few months and stuff. But yeah, strolled up for our rights. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and so I, I saw on The Guardian, there is a live article covering it, and there is a photo of a backpack, and you know, it had several pins on it, but one pin said, bans off our bodies, and then another pin says, go vaxxed or go home. So it's like, <laughs> I, I just thought that was kind of ironic there, but <laughs> so yeah, I see a, like kind of a, a confused knowledge, and they don't realize them. These ideas, they're not coming up with it for themselves um, as some kind of intrinsic understanding of rights. All these ideas that they harbor are dictated down from various, you know, elite groups. And that's why they believe in wearing face diapers and getting jabs (laughs) while also supporting abortion. Like it's all part of the same idea of women fighting for their rights and (laughs) Mm. Okay, so one of the signs that I saw quite a few times during the videography of the march, which was quite interesting, I ended up turning it off because when they were doing the actual march part, the camera guy kept following the march a little bit, and then he'd put the camera down and walk back to the front of the march again. 
And it made you dizzy because he would put the camera down while he's walking. And he did that quite a few times. I was trying to figure out, okay, is the march really small? And he's trying to Mm. keep getting perspective of it. I'm not sure. But one of the signs that we saw quite a few times because he did this was a sign that said, fund abortion, not cops. (laughs) And kind of to the point that you were saying, like, there's so many people in this march for women Mm. that bring in all these other side ideas. So that's where I'm like where is their focus? Like they have no focus or direction. They're just kind of all over the board with everything going on. And if it's something that they don't like or don't agree with, then they just pin it on the conservatives as like, that's a bad idea because the conservatives like that. So we're going to bring that into our March for Women. But how (laughs) ironic to say that you need to fund abortions, which is the act of killing innocent children and not fund cops. And cops are there to protect innocent people. It's just so backwards. (laughs) It's just mind-blowing how... But we've said before on our podcast, babe, that when we stray away from the fundamental truth of God's word, and we don't know what's right or wrong. So we're going to call good evil, and we're going to call evil good. Yeah. And that's (laughs) what we're seeing with this. Definitely, and have some verses kind of to sum up kind of our observation of this women's march. So I have Proverbs one twenty nine through 31. So the beginning of Solomon's Proverbs there, the first chapter, he says, For that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, they would or they desire none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. Therefore shall they eat the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. And sadly, that seems to be what these people are going to face. And they're going to put the consequences of their lack of knowledge, their lack of fearing the Lord and his ways. They're going to eat the fruit of their own way. And it's not going to be what they thought. I had a hard time picking out a verse, (laughs) but I think I liked this one. So Proverbs 16, 27, it says, An ungodly man diggeth up evil, and in his lips there is a burning fire. And I just felt like that described what the speeches were that we (laughs) saw today. There was just like this burning fire that was just coming off of them, that anger, that discontentment, and that desire to pursue evil things. And to me, I mean, I don't know, okay, since I'm a girl and you're a boy, (laughs) I'm just interested in how you take this too. But I mean, as a woman, I'm thinking if these women are actually pro-women, they don't sound like it. Because I would want someone who is the type that comes beside you and encourages you and is like, all right, I'm going to walk with you on this road because they're with you. You can do this. Like, building each other up. And that's what the Bible says. We need to edify each other, build each other up. And instead, these women are like, oh, we're going to feed you what information you need to know because somehow you can't think for yourself. And well, that's my interpretation of it (laughs) because they want to give you all the words and chants that you need to say. And they talk to you as if you're like in first grade or something. (laughs) And they are just mean and hard and they don't smile. They don't (laughs) look like how you would want to look to come beside and encourage and build up women. So what what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, and I don't think that if they got their way in this case that that would change their demeanor either because there's always going to be something else that they want. (laughs) Yeah, and of course, you know, we think of the whole like issue of men and women today and stuff. So and I feel bad for these women because I'm sure a lot of the men that they know are a lot like them in some ways. And maybe they're abused by men. Maybe they found men early on who treated them like disposable objects and stuff. And so that's what causes them to think, well, to be a true woman, I have to become this iron hard soldier for some kind of less than gentle woman's rights cause and so men need to be disposable we don't need them and women uh, we've got to stand up and not be pleasant or pretty or anything in any way you know because that's all that men have done to them so that's the way i think you know one more thing (laughs) (laughs) So I really appreciated at the March for Life. I mean, it was mostly women who spoke, but they also had men speak too. 
Yeah. And I thought that was a good balance. At the March for Women, they only had women speaking. Or we assume they're women, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess a couple of them we would have to question. But to me, I think if I wanted to stand up for women, like wouldn't you want a man, like a manly man, come up and be like your knight in shining armor type and be like, I'm going to stand up for these women. I'm going to fight for them. Like, Women want that. That's how God made us to have that man who's the protector. He's the one that leads like all that woman leading (laughs) stuff that's like women can conquer all type of thing. It's just gross. It's like, no, you want that guy to stand up and say, I'm going to protect you from those other nasty guys out there. I'm going to protect you and this unborn baby. And that's what you want. That's how God made us. And they just totally destroy that. Yeah, because I think a lot of the men who would be with them on their cause would be like men who are living for themselves, who wouldn't be that protector. They'd be like very effeminate types and stuff and not in any way be desirable or, you you know, as someone who like, oh yeah, I could marry this guy, you know, <laughs> speaking from a woman's perspective right. there. But, you know. <laughs> like, so I have to share the funny thing that happened earlier. Okay. Okay. You can get this part out if you want, but it just made me laugh so hard. <laughs> you came up to me and you're like, I don't mean to be, what did like you say? biased or something yeah. or prejudiced, but It's like at these marches and stuff, there's always the token, like, unkempt, unattractive woman with short hair, sometimes colored and stuff like that. Like, you know, never trying to appear to be pleasant, but seemingly intentionally to repel people, you know, (laughs) and... (laughs) (laughs) so like kind of like that then they're always the one that holds the sign that's kind of like government get off my body that type of thing and so you know (laughs) i'm just kind of trying to ask you the question like well what problem is she having that needs to be solved here (laughs) you know like i'm trying so hard not to but i'm like i don't get it but (laughs) But you're so right, though. I mean, there were quite a few women that spoke that appeared the same way. They look like they don't even take care of themselves in some ways. And then yet they're trying to say that we're being controlling and we don't care about the women and stuff. But like it was funny how you said it. (laughs) But at the same time, it's it's sad, too, because, you know, like these women are hurting and that's probably why they look like that. Yeah, and And, it's often the case when women look like that. You know, it could be a subconscious thing, but often many of them have faced like some form of abuse in their childhood, and that's just the way that their mind handles that. And so, yeah, that's, I have to be, you know, kind of sad for them about that. But I mean, you always see those pictures there, and it's just kind of like, you know, it makes me ask the question. But, (laughs) oh, thanks for doing this, especially on today's the. Um, Sanctity of Life Sunday and just thinking about where this country was 50 years ago and ruling on the Roe v. Wade decision and just where we're at today. But again, that this is a fight that never stops and it should never stop because we know that God's word tells us that every life is precious. Every life is valuable. We are made in God's image and that it's our job, especially as Christians, to stand up for God's word and his truth. And that means to stand up for these little ones and for their mamas, too. So thanks for doing this. (laughs) Yes, definitely, sweetheart. Thank you for the idea and amen to what you just said. I can't say it better myself. So march for life or march for death. (laughs) And I hope that you enjoyed this two-part episode covering the two different marches and how they differed. And stay tuned for the next episode of Truth Espresso and God Bless. Thank you for waking up with Truth Espresso. Good morning, and God bless your day. Hey friends, Daniel Minnick here again. If you liked waking up to this episode of Truth Espresso, I would really appreciate it if you would rate it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever application you use to listen to Truth Espresso. 